Well, this morning I haven't got any chocolate Easter eggs to um, bring out this morning, so, um, but we are on the road of thinking about Easter. And those of you who were here last week, uh, you may well remember we spoke about a guy called Judas Iscariot, the kiss of Judas, and we spoke about him. What is another big player in the Easter story? And this big player is a guy called Simon Peter. He is a huge player in the whole of the Easter story. And I want to remember him this morning. Because Peter, when he came to Christ, you need to remember, Peter heard the preaching of Jesus. And not only did he hear the preaching of Jesus, but he saw a miraculous, wonderful miracle. He saw that Jesus told him to cast his net on one side of his boat, even though he was fishing all night and caught nothing. He cast his net over the side of the boat, and there was shut a haul of fish. It was amazing. And Peter comes to Jesus, and look what he says to Jesus. You'll find it in, um, in Luke's Gospel. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You see, he knew, he saw something in Jesus that was awesome and powerful. He saw something in Jesus that was totally amazing. He saw the power of God in Jesus. And when he looked at himself, oh, go away from me, Lord. I am full of sin. I'm not worthy to be on, your, on my knees before you. I am totally, utterly wicked. That was Peter. He was aware of his unworthiness. Now, can I say something this morning? Because I believe the church, generally, have come so far from that. We can hear preaching about the word of God. We can even see miracles and, and wonderful things that God is doing in people's lives. And yet, we don't come to this place, do we, where we can turn around and say to the Lord, Lord, away from me, I am full of sin. Even though I know what you can do, I've seen people's lives being changed, I've seen miracles, I've seen God working wonderful. We never really get to that place where we say like Peter, go away from me, Lord. I am such a sinful man. I am such a sinful woman. And we um, struggle to go to that place. You know, I went with my father-in-law to, um, to the doctors to interpret for him. And as I went there, the doctor said to him, you've got diabetes, Mr. Collins. And if you don't take care of your diabetes, you know, it will affect your feet. And what she said was that those who, die, when diabetes affect the feet, what happens is that you lose all feeling in your feet. So you can be by the fireside, a nice warm fire, and you can be putting your feet up there to warm yourself, and you wouldn't realize or wouldn't know that your feet are burning on the flames of the fire. Or you might have a cut on your feet, and that might be bleeding, and as you walk around, you are unaware that you have a cut on your feet, and that cut, that feet can get, that, 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 that cut can get infectious, and you could lose your foot. That's what diabetes can do in certain areas. You can lose your feet. 
And this is what so many people are unaware of. Walking around every day with the condition and the infection of sin in your life. Walking around every day knowing that you're a man or woman full of sin. Knowing that and yet not realizing what a dangerous place you're in. Because not only in diabetes you can lose your feet. When your soul is affected you can lose your soul. And Peter was a man who came to Christ in the right way. And he said to the Lord, Lord, go away from me. I'm I'm full of sin. And instead of Jesus pushing him away, Jesus embraced him. Jesus embraced him. So I don't want you to fear this morning. You're thinking to yourself, I'm sitting here this morning and nobody knows the wickedness in my own life. Nobody knows my sin. I want to tell you, Jesus knows your sin. And instead of pushing you away, I want to tell you this morning, he would embrace you this morning. Just like he did Peter. Well, three things I want to say about this man as we consider his Easter journey with Christ. Three things I want to say about him. First, I want to say is an evil request. An evil request. Jesus turns to Peter and says this to him. Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon, that's another name for Peter, Simon, Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. In fact, other versions say, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Jesus turns to Simon Peter and tells him that Satan wants to sift you as wheat. What does that mean? Well, in the olden days, they used to um, separate the wheat from the chaff. The chaff was the, the, the worthless stuff, the, 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 the leaves around the wheat. That was worthless. That needs to be separated. And what Satan wanted to do, he's asking that he would separate Peter from Jesus and make him worthless. And so the Bible says, Jesus says to him, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Satan has been speaking about Peter. Satan has been speaking about Peter. Now, I don't know about you, but I I don't mind God speaking about me. You know, I like God to be speaking about me all day long. But I'm not too sure that I want the devil to be speaking about me. You know, when I was at school, I went to a school called Locksford High School. And Locksford High School was more like a cage for animals than a school for education. But nevertheless, I went to Locksford High School. And as I was there, the headmaster, he didn't know anyone's name. The only time he knew anyone's name is when that person was in trouble. And his name, your name, will be spoken about in the headmaster's office. You don't want your name to be mentioned in the headmaster's office. And you know, when I think about it, Satan was speaking about Peter. You know why? Because Peter was a threat to his kingdom. Satan was speaking about Peter... Because Peter was a threat to the kingdom of God. And so he had a word and spoke about Peter. Now I don't know about you, but sometimes I go into the the 
fear, the fear ground. And there's a game there that I see. I don't, I don't normally go on these games, but I have been on it before. But there's this game there where you've got about nine holes and you've got a hammer. Some of you know where I'm going with this, right? Nine holes and you've got a hammer. And you pay the money, you put your money in or whatever, and out pops something from one of these holes. And it tests your reflexes and you, got, you need to hammer that thing down as quickly as possible. And you go around hammering things down in order, and you know, I'm used to this. As you get older, your reflexes get slower. And you don't hammer down as quickly as, as you do when things pop up. And you know what, it seems to me that Satan was waiting for someone to pop their head up. And Peter was the one. Peter was the one who's going to stand up and be counted for Christ. And it seems that Satan was there waiting to pop him on the head. It seems to me that many Christians don't want to pop up very often. You know, they'd rather stay hidden. They'd rather not be known as a Christian. Because they feel that if they get known as a Christian, the devil will come and get them. The devil will pop them on the head with some kind of trouble. I don't know about you, but... I know that the devil is talking about me this morning. I don't know about you, but I know that Satan not like me coming to church this morning. I don't know about you, but I know that the devil knows that I wear the colors of Christ this morning. And he doesn't like that. And so therefore, in his books, I'm a threat to his kingdom. The question is, are you a threat to his kingdom? Or are you one of those people in that game that I mentioned who don't really want to pop your head up just in case you might get clobbered with something. Some people turn around and say, oh, I don't want to become a Christian. I don't want to follow Christ because the devil will get at me. You know what? The devil doesn't like even the non-believers. The devil doesn't even like those who don't even come to church. In fact, the devil hates every created thing that God has made. I want you to make that clear to you this morning. Don't think to yourself, well, you know what? I don't really want to be an outspoken Christian. I don't want to tell other people that I'm, I'm a Christian just in case the devil gets a hold of my life. The devil was talking about Peter because Peter was a threat to his kingdom. But I want you to notice something else. Look what Jesus says. And I love this. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. The devil was talking about Peter, but guess what? Jesus was praying to God about Peter. Jesus was speaking about Peter to God. And I love this because it seems to me that Jesus is a person whose prayers always get heard. And Jesus is a man, when he prays, his prayers is, is not only heard by God, but he, God, his heart goes towards his son all the time. And when Jesus prays for you, when Jesus carries your name into, his, into God's presence, you have something to rejoice about. A few years ago, the deaf choir came, and, they, um, and, and every year they, you know, they, they performed from songs. If you haven't heard the deaf choir performing, you missed a treat. But when they performed a particular song, one of the songs they performed was a song which goes, He knows my name. He knows my name. And that's just so wonderful that Jesus Christ knows you by name. 
And when the enemy comes in like a flood, when the enemy comes to attack you, guess what? Jesus is crying out to God in prayer for you. He knows your name. There's nothing to fear, nothing to worry about, nothing to say, oh, I don't want the devil to talk about me because Christ himself is speaking about me every day. He knows my name. He knows your name. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Now, this, at this point, this is where Peter makes his stumble. This is where Peter falls into pride and arrogance. And Look what he says here. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Can you see Peter here? Peter turns around and he says, Lord, although all these guys, you see those half-baked disciples over here? Although all of them will fail you, guess what, Lord? I myself will not fail you. And not only that, I'm willing to go to prison with you, and not only that, I'm willing to die with you. If they put you on a cross, I'll be right there next to you on that other side of the cross. Peter was so full of himself, so full of arrogance, so full of pride, and he says, Jesus, don't worry, I'm watching your back. I'm watching your back. Now, what he didn't realize, first of all, he didn't realize the power of the enemy. Look what the Bible says. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Satan has schemes. Satan has devices. Satan has tricks. As I was thinking about that, you know, I was remembering the, um, the Vietnam War. Some of you remember the, the Vietnam War back in the day. Uh, in, the, in the late 50s, early 60s, you know, the Vietnam War was a huge embarrassment to America. They sent hundreds of thousands of young men over to Vietnam. They sent equipment, helicopters, and, 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 and tons of equipment over to Vietnam. But what I didn't realize is that the Vietnamese soldier, they had schemes. And they had devices and they dug holes underground. And they had camouflage in the bushes. And they had other ways of warfare. And when the Americans came in, the Vietnamese soldier was able to use all their different tactics, all the different schemes, and they sent America home in disgrace. Even though they had all the firepower uh, of, a, of a world leader they went home in disgrace why because they didn't reckon on the devices and the schemes of the Vietnamese soldiers I want to tell you this morning the Bible says in order that Satan might not outwit us because he can outwit us because he has devices and schemes in order to get a hold of you Peter underestimated the power of the enemy. The second thing Peter underestimated or didn't consider, he didn't consider the wickedness of his own heart. He didn't consider the wickedness of his own heart. The Bible turns around and tells me about my heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now this is your heart and mine. 
Your heart and my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's not a good description, is it? You like people to talk to you and speak about you in a nice way. Like, you know, she's got a good heart. We like them to say that about us. We like people to turn around and say to others about us that we know our intention, our heart is, is, is good towards other people. But the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Peter didn't reckon on his own heart. Peter thought that he would be okay. He thought that there wouldn't be no problem. Peter didn't reckon that his heart was that and that Satan had devices and schemes. What Peter ought to be saying was, Lord, please pray for me. Pray for me. Not only Jesus pray for me, but teach me how to pray for myself. Lord, I'm so glad you're speaking to the Father about me. But Lord, teach me how to pray for myself. That I might be engaging with God for myself. That's what Peter should be saying. Peter should be saying, Lord, teach me how to pray. And that's what you and I need to be saying. You and I need not to come to the pastor, one of the leaders, say, pray for me. And they, they pray for you. And then suddenly you go out the door and you never pray for yourself again. No, that's not the right way to go. Oh, I come to church and I get someone to lay their hands on me and pray that I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I go out and I live the way that I want to live without praying again. No, 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 no. You need to be going out the door saying, Lord, teach me how to pray for myself. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit every day. Lord, draw near to me. You need to be praying for yourself. I hope you get that this morning. I hope you hear me this morning. Peter was arrogant. Peter was proudful. Peter didn't say to Jesus, thank you for praying for me, Jesus. Now teach me how to pray for myself, because I know that I've got a wicked devil out there, and I know that my heart is wicked and deceitful, so teach me how to pray for myself. He should have been saying that. Because if he did, he would have been much more stronger when the hour of temptation comes. I'm praying that God will help you and teach you how to pray for yourself. Okay, let's look at the actual denial, shall we? Let's look at the, the evil request, but also let's look at a strong rejection. A strong rejection. I want you to hear this this morning because Peter, now, Jesus has been arrested. And the soldiers have taken him in to be questioned. And so Peter, as he, um, as he goes uh, into the courtroom or the courtyard, twice a young girl comes up to him. Twice a little girl came up to him. It wasn't a soldier. It wasn't a man. It wasn't even a woman. The Bible says a young girl. Someone like you know, maybe Honey Rose or, or Stephanie or, or some young little girl that we have in our church came up to Peter and said to Peter, Peter, um, excuse me, wasn't you one of the guys that was with Jesus? A little tiny thing. 
Can you imagine Peter? He's, he's six foot some. He's a fisherman. He's, 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 been, he's rough and he's ready and he's, he's been around. And this little tiny thing, a little girl, privately, on her own, comes up to Peter and says to him, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? It's only a little thing. She goes, yeah, sure. What's he to do with you? He could have said that, couldn't he? But he didn't. We pick up the story on the third time. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. He's talking about the Jesus that protected him. The Jesus that provided for him for three years. When he wasn't fishing for himself, when he wasn't looking out for feeding himself, Jesus himself provided for him, protected for him, paid his taxes, loved him, cared for him. Three years, Jesus watched over this man. And now, in one instant, he turns around and he curses and he swears and he says, I do not know him. That could be you, that could be me, at any time. That could be you, that could be me. But look at his response. He knows that he is spoken, that's not true, and I don't want to see his response here. A second time, the rooster crowed, then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. In fact, another version of this at the bottom says, you know, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. I could just see him in my mind's eye. I could just see him. Standing in a courtyard with everyone around him saying, I don't know this man. I'm cursing, I'm swearing, I'm saying, this Jesus, who is he? He's nothing to do with me. He's nothing to, to, to do in my life. He remembers back in, in his mind that he, he, he said, Lord, although everyone forsakes you, I won't. But now he's standing there and he says, I don't know him. And I can see Peter rushing out the courtroom, courtyard falling down and weeping and crying bitterly. You know that's the right response when you sin against God? You know that? When you sin against God, that's the right response. To feel remorse for your sin. Because the Lord says in Psalm, it says, the sacrifice, my sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. That's what God is looking for this morning, you know. He's not looking for bravado. He's not looking for um, uh, words of, 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 of great 
dedication. He's looking for a broken heart. He's looking for a contrite heart. He's looking for a man, a woman to turn around and say, Lord, I've got it wrong. I've got it wrong again, Lord. Won't you forgive me? That's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for a man, a woman, who's contrite and who's broken. Peter wept out and wept bitterly. But let's just close this message. As I finished looking at Peter, let's just look at the third thing here. A gentle restoration. Because as we come to the end of my preaching this morning, Peter is in the same place as Judas Iscariot, you know. See, Judas Iscariot had remorse. Judas Iscariot had regret. Judas Iscariot had sorrow. But Judas went to the wrong place. He went to the religious leaders. He went to those who wanted to get rid of Jesus. He went to them. The wrong place. Peter, however, goes to the right place. And the story is this. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. And he stands at the shore. And he looks out. And there's Peter in the boat with a few of his pals. And Jesus calls out. He says, have you any fish? And one of the disciples nods Peter and says, Peter, it's, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. It's Christ. And when Peter heard that it's the Lord, he jumps out of the boat. And he rushes through the water. Maybe swam. I don't know how far he was out. But he was out away. And he took out his garment. And he rushes into the water. And he gets to the shore. And while he's at the shore. Sitting down. Jesus speaks with him. When he had finished eating. Jesus said to Simon Peter. Simon son of John. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said to Simon, said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? How many times did um, Peter deny Jesus? Three times. How many times did Jesus say, do you love me? Three times. Peter, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Do you love Three times. Now, a lot of things were happening here. A lot were happening here. I want to just show you one of the things that were taking place. Jesus was doing something amazing in Peter's life. He was saying to him, I ain't finished with you yet, Peter. I ain't finished with you. I ain't done with you yet. You may have denied me. You may have rejected me, but I ain't finished with you yet. I'm not concerned so much about your failure. I'm more concerned about your love. I'm not concerned about what you did wrong in the past. I'm more concerned about if you love me today. That's what I'm more concerned about. I'm concerned about your love for me and not your failing of me. Listen, when Christ comes to you, 
He will be asking you the same question. He will not be asking you, why have you failed me? That would not be the question on his lips. Because your failure has been dealt with on the cross of Christ. Your failure, your sin, your, your rejection of him, your, your denying of him has been dealt with on the cross. So when Jesus comes to you, he will not be asking you, why did you fail me? How come you let me down? No, 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 no. He will be saying to you, do you love me? But let me take it a little bit deeper. Because when Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, the word I'm going to use today is Peter, do you agape me? He said, what's that about? He said, that's a Greek word for love. There's a number of words for love in Greek. But agape is the strongest word for love in the Greek. And what it means is, when, he, when, when, when Jesus said, Paul and, and Peter, do you love me? He was saying, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you agape me, Peter? Do you love me unconditionally? And not only that, Peter, do you love me sacrificially, Peter? Do you just, I'm not asking you if you love me as a friend. I'm asking you, do you love me unconditionally? In other words, do you love me even if I do not bless you? Even though I do not hear your prayers? Even though I do not do what you want me to do? Would you still love me? Is the question. And not only that, the other one is Peter. Are you willing to sacrifice the things that you love? The sin that you love, the places that you love to go, the things that you the love, the fishing that you love to do. Are you willing to lay that down and sacrifice it for me? Peter, do you agape me? Is the question. And the Lord will come to you this morning and say the same thing. I'm not concerned about your failures. You know, your failures, your sin has been dealt with. I've been nailed to the cross. I have died for your sin. But now I'm asking you this question. Do you love me? Do you love me unconditionally or is your love for me conditioned to, I love you, Lord, just as long as you make sure everything that I ask of you gets done. I love you like that. I love you, Lord, just as long as every prayer I pray to you, you answer in the affirmative. Yes, 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 yes. That's all I need to have from you and I will love you all day long. Jesus says, do you love me? Well, you know, that thought of love, you can keep it. That is a conditional love. I don't want that love. I want the agape love from you. That loves me even when the sun is not shining on my life. Even when there's tears on my pillow. Even when my heart sometimes is broken. I will love you, Lord, because I know. I know that you went to that cross for me and gave your life for me. I love you. Even though when things in my life are not smooth and rosy in the garden. But not only that, Lord, there's things in my life that I know is not right. There's sin in my life that I know that you're not pleased with. I like the sin that I do, but I know, Lord, you're not pleased with that. But Lord, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay down my sin. Why? Because it's nothing compared to the fact that you laid down your life for me. You lay down your life for me. So the question that Jesus will ask the church this morning, 
Ask the question. Do you agape me? It's easy to come to church and do our hour here on a Sunday morning. But when we understand the passion of Christ, when we understand what it meant to him to go to the cross, when we understand that the one who inhabit the glorious heaven came down and became a man and was nailed to a tree, when we understand that the sin of the whole world was taken and placed upon him and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we understand how much Jesus Christ has done, we will go away from this and say, Lord, increase my love for you. Cause me to be a man, a woman, to say to you, Lord, I love you. But not only love you, but Lord, I agape you. I'm willing to love you in all seasons of my life. I'm willing to love you. And I'm willing to lay down things for you. Because you laid down and paid the ultimate price for me. That is what Peter received. And he walked away, not like Judas Iscariot, hanged and dead. He walked away in victory, being used powerfully for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for Peter. Thank you for his life. Thank you for the lessons that we can learn from him. Even in his extreme failure, Lord, we thank you that you forgave him, reinstated him, and used him. Father, we're all in the same boat as Peter. Lord, we all, like him, have failed you miserably, have walked away from you in many, many areas of our lives, and yet, like him, we can be forgiven, restored, and used for your glory once again. Oh, gracious God, I know that our love for you is very weak. I know, Lord, as a church, as individuals, our love for you, Father, is very, very weak. Yet we pray that you will increase our love, that you will outpour your love upon us. The love of the Father might be lavished upon this church, that it will change our hearts and our minds and our thinking. That we will love you, oh God, in a way that will bring you honor and bring you glory. Help us, Lord, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, shall we, and sing together.